0: what is up ladies and gentlemen welcome back to another episode of double move sports as always i am steph and i'm here with my best friend alex say what's up to the people
1: how's it going everyone hope everyone is having a great week i personally just got back from the zoo so i saw (laughs) all sorts of lions tigers and bears out there but super excited to get into some fantasy football topics today um, never sleeps. We're in the offseason right now But we've got a lot of really really good debates that me and Steph are gonna go through
0: Yeah, guys, I'm hyped for this. We got a lot of good stuff to get into here You know, I've been quarantining myself the last uh, You know a couple of days here with some of the coronavirus outbreak our hearts go out to everybody affected by this. Please be safe everyone um, but you know with that said, I think we can jump right into it and guys what we're gonna be doing today is just as Alex said, fantasy player debates. So we're going to look at some different players. Um, Maybe some names that are very well known that everybody wants to draft. Maybe some that are a little bit deeper and look at some comparisons, whether it's their outlook, um, some stats and takeaways from 2019 that we can extrapolate onto 2020. But let's start it off here with two big names. First QB off the board, Alex, would you rather have Lamar Jackson? or Patrick Mahomes. Lamar Jackson ended as the QB1, Mahomes is the QB8, missed a couple games. I believe it was two games with uh, that knee injury that he suffered against Denver on a Thursday night football game. Uh, But who are you taking between those two guys? If you're drafting today in a redraft league and you want to take a quarterback off the board early, which one of those are you taking?
1: I mean, I might be a little biased here because Um, Huge Lamar Jackson fan. Went to school with him back at Louisville. But my guy's Lamar Jackson. He's the reigning MVP. Um, He ran for 1,200 yards in only 15 games last season. As a quarterback, we all know that uh, rushing yards are essentially a cheat code. So with that rushing baseline, um, if you just took Lamar Jackson's rushing stats from 2019, that was uh, 1,200 yards and seven touchdowns. That is equal to 4,000 passing yards or 40 passing touchdowns. So take whatever he does through the air and you're just stacking 4,000 yards or 40 uh, passing touchdowns on top of that. And to me, that just takes him over the top. I know we've got a couple other mobile quarterbacks like Kyler Murray's talked about a lot. Dak Prescott, I think, finishes the quarterback too. Patrick Mahomes himself um, is a bit mobile as well, but nothing has ever come close since maybe Michael Vick to what we've seen out of Lamar Jackson. He led the NFL in yards per carry with 6.9 yards per carry. And I think in uh, 2020, he could easily beat that record he set for quarterback rush yards. He only played 15 games this year. And he also sat out the fourth quarter of several blowouts. And then in a lot of those games, even in the third quarter, they were handing it off to Mark Ingram and Gus Edwards a lot of the time because the game was out of hand. So to me, I mean... We could talk about his passing and people say, oh, he's an accurate passer. He can't throw to the numbers or outside the numbers, all those sorts of things. But to me, I mean, 36 passing touchdowns this past season, over 3,000 passing yards. He doesn't have to be uh, a Patrick Mahomes, a Peyton Manning, a Tom Brady, a Dan Marino through the air with uh, what we've seen from his legs. So I do expect that 36 passing touchdown number to come down a bit in 2020 Uh, he was very very effective with that touchdown rate Uh, but even if he gets around you know 25 30 touchdowns and he's able to up the passing yards number from 3100 and up those rushing numbers a little bit which might be asking a lot but i think he can do it there's no reason to believe he shouldn't be quarterback one in fantasy again in 2020
0: Yeah, you you bring up some good points, but I'm going to have to disagree with you on this one. I'm taking Mahomes. Hate to go against my boy Lamar, but I have to do it here. Even though Mahomes finishes the QB8, he had a 66% completion percentage, still finished 10th in passing yards, and he had some dud games uh, at some different points this season that were just kind of some weird game scripts uh, where the Chiefs went up big early, didn't really need him to throw a ton. Uh, 26-5 to to touchdown-to-interception ratio. Uh, He also finished 4th in yards per attempt at 8.3 you know so we look at Lamar Jackson we look at Patrick Mahomes these guys are almost on different ends of the spectrum when it comes to you know where they make their hay where their sweet spots are but you got Mahomes averaging 20.5 fantasy points a game in 2019 you're not going to pass that up and you know yes the the kind of you know low-hanging fruit if we want to go against Lamar Jackson is oh you know mobile quarterbacks they're more likely to get more injured maybe Lamar's not the biggest guy but uh, I hate to take this uh, away from uh, Mahomes here, as I'm kind of making an argument for him. But Mahomes has actually been more injury prone and has, has you know, missed more time than Lamar Jackson has. Um, so you can't really make that argument there. So if we look at that, you know, um, a lot of people forget that. Mahomes has had a pretty high rushing baseline in previous seasons. Uh, this was his lowest uh, rushing year out of the two full seasons that he's played, with only 218 rushing yards. He had that knee injury that obviously took him out of two games, essentially three games, because he only threw 11 passes versus Denver. But we saw in the postseason, you know, whether it was against the Titans on one of those huge breakaway runs, uh, or in the Super Bowl when he's you know taking it in himself in the red zone, uh, Mahomes should also increase his rushing. Uh, floor as well which is just going to be even more value getting him as the first QB off the board um, good news in terms of that injury there's been no structural damage to the knee so I'm not worried about it long term he actually went to practice every single day during that injury so that's not a concern for me and then you look at Mahomes weapons you know, I know Lamar ha- has some great weapons, and the offense is built, you know, around his skill set. But same for the Chiefs, right? And then you give him Tyreek Hill, maybe the fastest, most explosive wide receiver, or just overall weapon in the entire NFL. You give him the, you know, give Mahomes the best receiving tight end in the league with Travis Kelsey, and you get a little, uh, you know, Super Bowl experience. You got a little bit extra clout now. You've used, you hey, we've been there, we've done this before, we've been down three scores in an AFC championship game and brought it all the way back. I mean, what more can you say about Mahomes? He's a generational talent. I don't think you can pass up on him. And, you know, just like you're saying, right, like Lamar's upside could be higher. I think you can say the same for Mahomes. You know, what's to say he doesn't put up another, you know, 5,000 passing yard, 50 touchdown season like he did uh, in 2018 when he took the league by storm and won MVP. So uh, I'm taking Mahomes on this one. You know, Alex, you know, what, what are your thoughts here?
1: Yeah, I mean, one thing I actually had written in my notes was that if Mahomes can throw for 5,000 yards and 40 touchdowns in 2020, which, I mean, 5,040, that's something we've seen him do before. Um, we've seen him get the 50, so it's something I actually expect him to do if he stays healthy for the whole season, and if he's able to do it, I expect it to be really close between him and Lamar Jackson. One thing I'm really looking for with the Ravens offense, though, is to get some more weapons around Lamar. When you think about last year, he had Hollywood Brown, who was a rookie, and he was banged up for a lot of the season. Mark Andrews, the tight end, was, was his best weapon all year long, but outside of that, he's throwing to Miles Boykin and Willie Sneed and uh, Chris Moore, and some of the, these guys are, are holding it down all right, but if they can bring in another receiver to help out Lamar Jackson and then Hollywood Brown can stay healthy and continue to take the top off defenses, yeah, he might not be Tyreek Hill, but he's Tyreek hill light. Um, I think that could really help Lamar Jackson through the air get some um, higher passing yards numbers and allow that offense to be even more dynamic than we saw in 2019. So I love everything you said about Mahomes. He still does have some mobility himself. In the playoffs, we really saw that mobility come to life. Um, with his legs, and I think it's going to be close, but I gotta still lean with my boy Lamar.
0: Yeah, it seems like the you know experts around the fantasy world, um, you know, are having this debate as well, right? We look at Fantasy Pros uh, ADP right now that was updated on March thirteenth. Uh, we see that, you know, Lamar and Mahomes, their best ADP is, you know, the the first QB off the board. Their worst is both tied at the third QB off the board. So, I don't know who's putting the, either of those guys at third, um, but... <laughs> you know it's going to be an interesting one nonetheless I think it's really you know to pick you know we're we're kind of splitting hairs here really when it comes down to it both of them are going to be fantastic options and if you you play right in your draft maybe you land one on your team but Alex let's move over to the next debate here with some uh, top heavy running backs
1: absolutely so we're going to talk about Christian McCaffrey it seems like we can't even debate him against anybody because he had (laughs) such an incredible record-breaking 2019 season, but we're going to debate Christian McCaffrey against Saquon Barkley. Um, And in this debate, I am going to take the side of Saquon Barkley, which I found was very challenging to do when I was doing my (laughs) research. Um, And you're going to take the side of Christian McCaffrey. So since he is um, kind of the, the go-to running back one for 2020. I'm gonna let you start it off and tell me why you think Christian McCaffrey should be um, drafted ahead of Saquon Barkley in 2020.
0: Yeah, so looking at it right away, you have, you know, Christian McCaffrey finishing as the RB1 in PPR leagues last year, Saquon as the RB10. Um, But, you know, I have seen a little bit of debate. Um, We do have some Saquon truthers that are out there. So I'm interested to hear what case you can make. But for McCaffrey, um, you know, Him and Saquon both have new head coaches, first time head coaches in the NFL coming into this season. So, you know, we look ahead, you know, there might, things might be more even than we think. Now, McCaffrey is a pretty easy argument to make. He's coming off the greatest fantasy season of all time. He led the NFL with 2,392 yards from scrimmage in 2019. That's the third most by any player in NFL history. And he essentially finished first or second in every category, statistical category at the RB position, whether it's touchdowns, receptions, snap count, targets, red zone touches, receiving yards. He was third in rushing yards. It's probably his worst stat. <laughs> uh, you know, do I think there's going to be regression? Absolutely. But even if there is regression here, you take 35% of McCaffrey's points away and he's still a top five running back. Like This is unprecedented levels of production. Uh, that we've seen you know, look at guys like Ladanian Tomlinson uh, who had these massive seasons um, McCaffrey for the Panthers he's the heart and soul of that offense and you know with Matt Rule coming in I think it's going to remain the same Matt Rule is a ground and pound run game type of guy um, you know Matt Rule ran the ball on 49% of snaps at Baylor which would if, if he, that remains constant in the NFL that would be third uh, in terms of how often they run the ball. So I expect that volume to still be there. I'm not sure in terms of the the pass catching out of the backfield, what Matt Rule likes to do there, how that's going to translate from college to the pros. Uh, but whatever QB they bring in, or if it's still Cam Newton, you know McCaffrey is going to be a safety valve for that you know, quarterback, regardless of who it is, especially if it's a rookie um, that they draft. Uh, and then, you know, we look at Saquon here you know, he was definitely impacted by injury uh, in, in 2019, but uh, going you know, back to ADP prior to the season, Saquon was actually higher than Chris McCas- Christian McCaffrey on, on most draft boards. So, you know, maybe we'll see that 2018, um, you know, rookie season, Saquon make a comeback. So I'm interested to hear what you have to say.
1: Yeah. First things first, again, it's really hard to argue against Christian McCaffrey <laughs> after yeah, all the points made. This is a tough one made. for you. Um, but a couple of things I will say about CMC that I'm a bit worried about is, you know, if his uh, if his snap count and his usage stays the same or even similar, even within five percent of what it was last year, he's the clear number one. And I have no argument here. So basically, I just have to assume that that snap count um, and that usage is not going to stay the same. And it's really hard for a running back to play 93 percent of snaps in a season. And that's what Christian McCaffrey just did. He had more snaps in 2019 than Deshaun Watson, Kyler Murray, Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, and Lamar Jackson. He played (laughs) more snaps than all of those quarterbacks. And to do that at the running back position is just unheard of. Um, So, you know, I do think his uh, usage and snap count is going to regress a little bit, especially with a new head coach that might not run him into the ground right away. Um, So from the CMC side, like he's a super um, electric player. He's dynamic. He can do it with his uh, legs on the ground. He can do it in the passing game. And and he's going to be elite again in 2020, no doubt. But you really have to look over on Saquon's side and say, you know, if it weren't for the injury, um, last season he could have been uh, very close to Christian McCaffrey I know he did start a little bit slower but really what we saw down the stretch was the Saquon Barkley we expected he finished as the running back seven in terms of points per game in 2019 and that was after dealing with a high ankle sprain mid-season which we know you don't really come back from those 100 percent right away uh, right, once right. he did get back to 100 percent that was probably closer to the end of the season um, and in weeks 14 through 16 which is the fantasy football playoffs he was the running back 2 in half PPR and no it wasn't number 2 behind Christian McCaffrey it was number 2 behind Kenyon Drake uh, McCaffrey was third though so I'll give him that but <laughs> we saw it in spurts we've seen it in spurts for Barkley's entire career and we know that he's just got those tree trunk thighs that are just plowing through defenders <laughs> they're making say-quads. he's making people miss yeah the saquads Um, And we've seen his power. We've seen him in the passing game be effective. He averaged four receptions a game in 2019, which provides a really nice baseline in half PPR or PPR formats. In 2018, in his rookie year, he actually averaged closer to six receptions a game. So even looking at the 2019 season, there's a chance for him to get more involved in the passing game um, in 2020. And last year, he only ran for six touchdowns. The Giants offense was a bit dysfunctional last season. They were making that transition from Eli Manning to Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones had a couple really awesome games mixed in there, but there was a lot of inconsistency um, with Daniel Jones having a year under his belt, stepping into year two, having a new head coach in Joe Judge. I think that offense should take a big step forward. And I think that six rushing touchdown number for Saquon will go up in 2020. I wouldn't be surprised to see him, um, in the double digits. So yeah. with Saquon, you know, with McCaffrey, it's kind of going with what we've seen. And with Saquon, it's kind of going with what we expect to see, which is a lot of times a little bit harder to swallow. But just taking Saquon's rookie season and then the flashes he showed last year, if he's able to piece um, that that dynamic playmaking ability together for an entire season and he can stay healthy and that Giants offense can be effective there's no reason to believe that Saquon and his talent and his skill set shouldn't be right up there with Christian McCaffrey and shouldn't be right up there in terms of fantasy points per game Steph what do you think about my argument it was tough
0: yeah I know we put you in a tough spot there the the biggest takeaway for me in terms of, of Saquon is you know, the reception volume. He went from 91 receptions in 2018 to 52 over the course of the entire 2019 season. Yes, he missed three games, but still that's that's a pretty you know, large disparity. And I think it's just because Daniel Jones is not a check down guy. He wants to chuck it deep every chance that he can. It's true. Uh, I think that's why you know a lot of people think the Giants offense is going to take a huge turnaround. I'm kind of on the fence. I'm curious, Alex, what do you think? I'm going to put you on the spot here again. In terms of potential range of outcomes, which offense do you think uh, has more? Is it the Giants or is it going to be the Panthers?
1: That is a super tough question because they're honestly both in similar situations. Compared to 2019, they're going to have, I mean, with the Panthers, they're going to have a step up at quarterback. And That step up is going to be, whether it's Cam Newton or somebody else, that's going to be better than Kyle Allen was. So you expect that alone is going to improve that offense. On the Giants side, it's going to be the same guy, but you expect that level up in the offense to just come from maturity and development from Daniel Jones. So from a range of outcomes perspective, I think it's got to be the right now it's got to be the Panthers just because we don't know who that quarterback is going to be. Um, but if it is Cam Newton, then I have to say it's the Giants. Daniel Jones led the league in fumbles last season. His interception, his interception numbers weren't awful, but he was just a turnover machine. And if Daniel Jones comes in and lights the world on fire, they could be a top offense. I know it sounds crazy to say, but if that O-line can be shored up a little bit, they've got uh, Sterling Shepard coming back healthy. Slayton is going to be in year two, taking another step forward. Evan Ingram healthy. Golden Tate. Saquon's healthy. And then a new head coach and Daniel Jones in year two. That's – that's a really good nucleus, and that's a, a high-potential offense, but I could also see the wheels kind of falling off. So for me, you know, there is some variance with the Giants, but just because we know who the group is going to be, um, it's a little bit more stable. And with the Panthers, we don't really know what's going to happen there, um, especially at the quarterback position. Greg Olson is now gone. I Like we talked about, I don't know if McCaffrey's usage is going to be quite the same. I don't know if they'll bring in a guy that maybe takes – 10 15 percent of snaps god forbid to try to give him a break. Um they do have the two young receivers in DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel that I expect to continue to take strides forward, but um I think the Panthers just due to the quarterback it, it could go either
0: way. Yeah, I'm going to say the the you know the upside and maybe that was a trick question there cuz range of outcomes also, you know, entails a lot of positive. I think the range of outcomes is higher for the Giants, but in a positive way, it's like You know, I could see them being a a sneaky wildcard team in the NFC East. They're, you know, in a pretty. you know, relatively soft division compared to other ones that are out there. You know, we saw, right, like the Cowboys and the Eagles are making it in the last couple of years from that division um, with nothing to write home about in terms of their win-loss category. So, you know, could see the Giants, um, you know, have a you know huge explosive blow up. There's upside there, just like you said. At the same point, though, we could see uh, maybe Danny Dimes is throwing, uh, you know, 30 interceptions, Jameis Winston <laughs> style. One more thing I want to throw out there, and this is just a little... You know conspiracy theory but if it happens i want it to be on record uh <laughs> potentially the carolina panthers you may hate me for saying this they may roll out a a you know out of his prime cam newton this year with you know subtle desires to tank and, tr- and tank specifically for Trevor Lawrence, who's also you know, has a huge impact in that Carolina fan base. I think there'd be no question. They're selling out every single game as from just kind of a sports marketing standpoint. I think it would make sense for the Panthers to do everything they can to get Trevor Lawrence Maybe that has some trickle down effect. I know this is a reach here, but maybe we could see that come into play for McCaffrey and that offense just kind of stalls out. They're like, hey, you know, let's let's not win this game <laughs> because we want to get Trevor Lawrence. But that was the last one I wanted to throw out there. Um, anything else before we move on to the next one here? Well, if they're trying to tank,
1: they need to move on from Cam Newton because Cam Newton's going to be able to get them. You know, six, seven wins, you would think minimum. If they want to tank, they should try to flip him for Mitch Trubisky or something and uh, (laughs) and try out that experiment. Um, Why are we so
0: mean to Mitch Trubisky on this show? (laughs) He's done nothing wrong
1: except be a bad quarterback. Everything. Oh, man. Yeah, that's all all I got there. I think a really good debate there. You know, if you end up with Christian McCaffrey or Saquon Barkley, you should be thrilled with either one, but um you know maybe a lot of these moves as we get closer to the season especially with the cam newton situation will give us a little bit more clarity so let's go ahead and move on to the next
0: topic so let's move over to two rookies in 2019 that you know are in some pretty interesting situations whether it was splitting carries dealing with injury at different points it's miles sanders the rb15 in ppr leagues or Devin Singletary, who finishes the RB32, that's the Buffalo Bills running back, Uh, he finished 32 in PPR scoring, and just as a caveat guys, just so you know, everything we're talking about here is PPR scoring, we're just PPR guys, that's what we like to play, Uh, but of those two, I have to take Miles Sanders, running back for the Philadelphia Eagles, He was an absolute monster down the stretch after Jordan Howard went out. He had 21 points on the road against Miami in week 13. He had 35 points uh, against Washington in week 15. He had 26 points versus Dallas in week 16. So certainly if you're a fantasy owner who had your hands on Sanders in the fantasy playoffs, you're going to try to get your hands on him again. And for good reason, Uh, he played really well. When given, you know, a larger workload, and I expect the Eagles' coaching staff, you know, even though they do heavily favor a running back by committee approach and splitting carries, I remember last year we had names like Darren Sproles uh, still getting touches for them. You know, I expect Doug Peterson and, and his staff to look back at the tape and see, look. Miles Sanders is one of our best playmakers. He's an explosive threat, whether it's you know checkdowns out of the backfield, giving him the ball up the middle, you name it. He is a, a absolute beast, and I can't wait to watch what he's going to do in 2020. Um, but I got to think Doug Peterson's going to look back and say, hey, we got to get Sanders the ball in space. We have to get the ball into the hands of our playmakers. He's shown great receiving chops uh, in a you know checkdown heavy offense the Eagles run the ball seventh most in the NFL and Miles Sanders had 50 receptions which uh, puts him at 12th amongst all running backs in 2019 another interesting stat that I found on him and this is absolutely reflected when you watch him on Sundays is Sanders has a 32% juke rate, which is fifth amongst all running backs. And what that number comes from, what that juke rate means, it's the total number of evaded tackles divided by total number of touches. So Sanders is in the top end of that. And You know, one of the biggest things that we look at for potential fantasy value is can defenders bring this guy down? And for Sanders, they cannot. Nobody wants to tackle him. Um, So I'm taking him here. I think he's going to be an absolute beast in 2020. uh, And I'm taking him over Singletary. Uh, Alex, what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I mean, Miles Sanders is a guy I really like for 2020. I think, you know, he's a very talented player and he's going to take another step up in 2020 as a running back. Um, Weeks 11 through 16 in 2019, he was actually the running back six in PPR points per game. Um, So to me, he did show some workhorse potential, um, both on the ground and uh, in the passing game through the air, but... To me, I just think Doug Peterson is going to continue to roll with that running back by committee strategy that he has always used. And I think Miles Sanders is going to see some of his upside uh, limited because of that. We saw Jordan Howard this past season have over 500 yards on the ground and six rushing touchdowns. Uh, And that's after missing the last several games of the season. We even saw Boston Scott come in uh, and have 250 rushing yards and five touchdowns because Doug Peterson, again, didn't want to roll out just one guy 100% of the time. So Jordan Howard is a free agent. I think it's going to be really interesting to see in this offseason whether they decide to bring in another running back in free agency or in the draft if they spend draft capital on a running back. Um, Those are going to be some things to look out for because if they do bring in a guy in the draft or in free agency, that's where you maybe take a step back on Miles Sanders. But if they don't bring in a significant amount of help, that's where you have to look at Miles Sanders and say, wow, he could actually be a star in 2020. Uh, So definitely look out for those things. But I personally do think – Um, They're going to bring in a guy to give him some relief uh, and give him some rest over the course of the season. So, kind of moving on to to my guy, Devin Singletary. He (laughs) he's such an electric player. He was a third round draft pick out of Florida Atlantic, and we saw him kind of get a slow start, being ramped up in the NFL over the first four games of the season. He only had five carries a game. Over the last eight games. He had 16 carries a game so he only played 12 games in his rookie year due to injury but he had 775 rushing yards that's uh, on 151 carries that's 5.1 yards per carry that is fourth in the entire nfl um, in terms of yards per carry efficiency on the ground he should see much more carries in 2020 if he can continue to get closer to that 16 carries a game we saw over his last eight Uh, Frank Gore should be gone next season that should open up some opportunities close to the goal line uh, and also in short yardage situations and also he did only have the two rushing touchdowns in 2019 but Josh Allen had nine rushing touchdowns he was actually top 10 in the NFL in rushing touchdowns so you've got to think that while Josh Allen is a great uh, mobile quarterback he's a great QB sneak guy he's gonna have Uh, several rushing touchdowns each season nine seems a bit high I think it would be very realistic to say a couple of those go to Singletary in 2020 and then the last thing on Singletary is his efficiency as a receiver he only saw two and a half receptions a game in 2019 a lot of that was because he was a rookie we saw him slowly getting worked into the offense Uh, but the biggest case for this is that playoff game against Houston it's win or go home uh, and it seemed like the only thing the Bills could get going on offense was putting the ball in Devin's hands. He had six catches for 76 yards in that game. And I think there's a really good chance that Singletary uh, could see 50 plus receptions in 2020, uh, which would be a huge step forward from where he is now. So I think the Buffalo Bills do bring in some sort of help on the ground. Singletary is not really um, a workhorse type uh, running back as far as his build and his size and his stature goes but I think a guy like a Edwards can make a lot of sense maybe Peyton Barber uh, they kicked the tires with him someone in short yardage situations that can help uh, can give Devin Singletary a break um, at different times but I think you know the sky's the limit for Devin Singletary we've seen him break off a lot of big plays already in his NFL career and I think both of these guys actually have a lot of potential, but I just love Singletary's um, electric play style and his playmaking ability a little bit more than Miles Sanders at this point. But again, it's all going to come down to what they do in the offseason uh, and what that running back room looks like heading into 2020.
0: Yeah, both of these backfields have you know some termo- turnover um, and some question marks that they're going to have to address. It'd be pretty funny if we see Jordan Howard go from the Eagles to the Bills, <laughs> which I like as one of the landing spots for him. But um you know where where Singletary you know loses a little bit compared to Sanders for me is just just the pass catching work um you know on the ground Singletary's putting up 5.1 yards per attempt. like you said that's that's top tier uh yards per carry numbers Sanders isn't too far from that though um where San- is like six I think single uh, uh Sanders is like 16 at 4.6 yards per carry uh, and Sanders did have 28 more carries uh than Singletary this season but it just feels like to me that like Singletary's baseline in this offense is somewhere around 8 to 10 points, where I feel like Sanders is a little bit higher than that. Um, and for Singletary, he's really hard to predict based on the matchups that he was seeing. He put up stinkers against Miami twice, uh, and then he had big games versus Dallas and Baltimore, which were two of the top uh, you know rushing defenses. It just seems like, at least for right now, in terms of his passing work, Devin Singletary is very game script dependent you know the Bills don't really pass it out of the backfield too often Um, it really only is reserved for when they're down late in games and have to make big comebacks Uh, and we just weren't able to see a consistent full workload for Devin Singletary even on an offense that runs the ball seventh most in the league Uh, but certainly you know as the season went on he was continuing to progress if they don't bring anybody in and and singletary is you know the full workhorse back for buffalo then i love him he should be you know a low-end rb1 to be honest with you especially if he scores a little bit more um but for me i'm, I'm taking sanders just off of his pass catching work maybe there's uh we're splitting hairs here um versus ppr versus standard but for a guy that was on the field for 70 percent of snaps for the bills um which would be 10th amongst our running backs singletary still finished as you know an rb3 so I don't love him. I'm taking Sanders over him, Um, but certainly both guys uh, you can make a case for. Now let's switch over here to two breakout stars, two emerging wide receivers in Michael Gallup and Calvin Ridley. Gallup finishes the wide receiver 22 in PPR leagues. Calvin Ridley as the wide receiver 27. So pretty similar there. Um, Alex, I'll have you go ahead and make your case first. Who do you like out of these two guys?
1: Yeah, I really like Calvin Ridley a lot. Again, these are both great guys to look at for 2020. We saw them both take another really strong step forward in 2019. Um, But to me, it's Calvin Ridley. He's put together two awesome seasons in the NFL already. He was a first-round pick back in 2018. You have to respect that draft capital. And last season, he was wide receiver 18 in terms of points per game. So he's already... You know a mid wide receiver too uh, and that's as the second receiver on his own team and with the falcons there's just a lot of stability within that team You know that julio jones is going to be back you know calvin ridley is going to be back you know matt ryan's going to be the quarterback so not a lot is changing where right now with the cowboys there's a lot up in the air you know is is amari cooper going to be there what's you know is is dak going to get the long-term deal some things like that and once that shakes out you know those concerns go away but there is a new head coach in mike mccarthy so you just have to wonder how that's going to work out as well um so again going back to calvin ridley seven targets a game in 2019 And the really interesting thing that I want to look at is what Calvin Ridley was able to do after the Falcons traded Mohamed Sanu. He was having a fine season before um, Sanu was traded to the Patriots, but when Sanu got traded, he played four games with Matt Ryan uh, for the rest of the 2019 season. And in those four games, Calvin Ridley averaged 21.5 PPR points per game. Uh, just for some context, only one player in the NFL averaged more than 21.5 PPR points a game, and that was Michael Thomas. So we saw the upside um, with that offense when Matt Ryan is looking exclusively at Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. And I know Austin Hooper was a bit banged up in there as well, but this is an offense that can t- support two really elite wide receivers, and Ridley's emergence is only going to help Julio Jones, and Julio Jones drawing coverage is only going to help Calvin Ridley. Uh, and a really interesting stat that Football Outsiders uh, puts together is called the DVOA, and that stands for defensive, excuse me, the defense adjusted value over average. And I know that's a mouthful, but basically what that means is this metric uh, it measures the value per play um, that a receiver gives you over an average wide receiver. So. After calculating every snap in 2019, they gave Calvin Ridley the number two uh, DVOA for the entire season, behind only Chris Godwin. So what's that saying? Is on when he was targeted, on when he made catches, on when he was just running routes, he was the number two as far as value over average, according to this statistic. So I know it's just one statistic that uh, Football Outsiders probably made up, but you know it's really interesting to see that this guy is doing the, <laughs> that he's doing the right things, like. He is putting himself in good situations. He's running strong routes. Um, He's making plays when he's thrown to. He's not dropping the ball. He's making, you know, yards after catch. He's scoring touchdowns, things like that. So it just tells you that stats don't always tell the whole story. And luckily with Calvin Ridley, we get um, a really strong story from uh, the stats, but we also get a really strong story from just his ability as a wide receiver. So heading into 2020, I think that Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones could be the next mike evans chris godwin type situation where maybe they go back and forth week to week on who's going to have the massive blow-up week but this offense can definitely support both as elite wide receiver ones in fantasy football
0: Well, there's some some hot takes baked in there i don't necessarily disagree i i do love calvin ridley um but let me let me throw some points out there as to why you know i'm i'm way more um you know hyped up about Gallup as opposed to to ridley you know, really the question for me comes down to the passing volume. I think there's going to be a lot of regression in that category for the Falcons. They passed more in 2019 than any other uh, team in the NFL. So I feel like we've kind of seen Ridley's, you know, volume uh, or ceiling, I should say, from a volume standpoint. He finished 35th uh, amongst targets uh, among all wide receivers. You know, he, yes, he was great in games without Sanu. Don't want to take anything away from him there, but if he's going to be the new Muhammad Sanu, I I don't want him. You know, right? Like Sanu is a mediocre streamer. You never really knew when to start him. You know, you could play him in some matchups, but there were still some questions. Is he going to be the guy this week? Um, you know, and I'm not drafting that by choice in my redraft leagues. Um, while I do think there is going to be plenty of volume there. You know next year um the game scripts also helped you know as part of that volume right the falcons had a terrible defense they had so many injuries on their defense and so we see matt ryan coming out slinging it with a crazy amount of of attempts giving the ball to everybody right we saw russell gage have some great games we saw you know that uh, austin hooper um you know stretch there where he was putting up a touchdown a game playing really really well for them um You know so you take some of that into effect I do think the volume may be a bit lower um, but certainly with you know some of those pieces turnover at the running back position potentially turnover at the tight end position with Hooper walking in free agency um, I do think you know Ridley will still make his hay and be a fine guy but I'm I'm really excited about this guy Michael Gallup I think he's going to be an absolute beast Uh, he had you know 1100 receiving yards in 2019 He was 10th in yards per reception amongst all wide receivers at 16.8. He had six touchdowns this year and had the 23 most targets amongst all wide receivers. He's a major part of that Cowboys passing game. He's an explosive playmaker. And if you pair him with Amari Cooper, even better. If not, I actually love Michael Gallup even more if he has to become the de facto number one for the Cowboys with Cooper hitting the open market. Dak is coming off the best passing season of his career. I expect him to, to continue to play at the level that he has played. He's been a QB1 every single year. Um, and now we're seeing him do it really all with his arm, not too much with his legs. And, you know, yes, Gallup may have burned you, you know, fantasy owners in the playoff stretch. He had a rough uh, stretch of games there from like week 13 to the end of the year, but. You know it's the Cowboys we should have seen that coming right we know they're gonna choke down the stretch and find a way to lose that NFC East title um you know but with the Cowboys letting Byron Jones and uh, Michael Bennett potentially walk in free agency I think their defense could take a step down which will lead to better game scripts for Gallup and Gallup's only 24 years old so still plenty of time Ahead of him, his prime years have yet to come. Um, I'm really excited about what he can do, uh, especially if that Cowboys offense continues to improve with some, uh, you know, new new coaching and things like that. Um, Alex, what are your takes on Gallup?
1: Yeah, there's a lot, a lot to break down based on what you just said, but it's too bad that uh, most fantasy leagues don't go into week 17 because I know you mentioned <laughs> Gallup struggling down the stretch. He had that breakout uh, three touchdown game in week 17 last season, but. But yeah, I think Gallup's a great player. I think there's a really good chance he could uh, step up and have an even bigger 2020. But there's, to me, just too many question marks. We saw a similar type situation um, in Pittsburgh last year. Antonio Brown leaves, and we're thinking, oh, Juju's going to be a star. And yeah, you know, Ben Roethlisberger wasn't there. They were playing Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph, and we we all know uh, how that went. So maybe we'll give Juju the benefit of the doubt and give him one more season as as far as stepping up and being that number one. Um, but with Michael Gallup, we just don't know. If Amari Cooper leaves, it's like, can... Um, Gallup be the guy when everyone's focused on him and if Amari Cooper stays then it's back to the situation of can this offense support two uh, really elite wide receivers so um, you know there's there's a chance that Gallup could be that but to me there's just a lot of question marks around it that we don't really have the answers to and I don't want to take that kind of risk when I know I could get Calvin Ridley Um, and know exactly what I'm getting. And then again, you did mention Dak Prescott taking a lot of strides forward as far as his passing volume goes in 2019. And there's two sides of the coin there, though. You could say, oh, he passed for 4,900 yards and 30 touchdowns, and that's the new normal for Dak Prescott. Or you could compare it to the first three seasons of his career where he beat his career high in passing yards by 1,000 yards. He beat his career high in passing touchdowns by seven. And you could say maybe this was a bit of an outlier and – Dak Prescott's not going to throw for 5,000 yards and 30 touchdowns every season. That's actually more like 3,500 yards and 25 touchdowns. So just from a volume standpoint, I don't know that um, this Cowboys offense is going to sustain that kind of passing volume again in 2020, especially when we know um, the kind of volume that Zeke eats up on the ground. So to me, again, I think Gallup's a great player. He was a third-round pick in 2018. Um, he's shown a lot. We we did a highlight video on him, and I was able to break down a lot of his film. And wow, he is he is awesome, and he's a he's a deep threat. He had he's that he had that really high yards per catch number. So I think he brings a lot to the table. I think he's a strong wide receiver too, in fantasy for 2020. But if you're giving me the choice between Gallup and Ridley, I think Ridley's floor is higher, and I think his ceiling is a little bit higher as well uh, moving forward. So there's a lot there. I think. You know, the Cowboys offense could change a lot. Mike McCarthy, we all know what he did in Green, Green Bay and how effective those um, offenses were through the air. So we'll see. <clears throat> we will see. But to me, Ridley is my guy here, and, and that's who I want in 2020.
0: So, Alex, take us into the next one here, breaking down some uh, maybe some bigger name wide receivers.
1: Yeah, so we're actually going to stay with the Atlanta Falcons wide receiver group, and we are going to take Julio Jones – up against Devonte adams both elite wide receiver ones in fantasy football um, for a big piece of their career i'm gonna take the julio jones side here steph i know you're a big Devonte adams fan uh i'll let you start it off this time you tell me why you would rather have Devonte adams over julio jones in 2020.
0: my keeper Devonte <laughs> adams i know he finished as a wide receiver 23 um, he missed four weeks with injury though. So we got to keep some of that, you know, in mind when we're looking at some of these season long stats. Uh, he averaged 17.6 fantasy points per game in standard league w- leagues, which is sixth amongst all wide receivers. Uh, what I love about Adams is his target share in that offense. He pretty much is the green Bay passing attack. We saw that late in, in the uh, post Uh, when Green Bay played Seattle, they were just force feeding Adams and Rodgers was able to get it to him at will, had an absolute fantastic game there. Um, You know, he finished 14th with four games missed amongst all wide receivers and targets. So still, you know, top tier level um, production and target share consistently a scoring threat from 2016 to 2018. No one had more touchdown receptions then you know then Adams outside of Antonio Brown who was putting up you know historical level stats there and was like the clear number one Adams was right behind him uh, he finished third in red zone receptions in 2019 and in 2018 he was number one so you have to think if if you know Adams is healthy for a full 16 game season he's going to be that number one spot he dominated when he was healthy in 2019 you know there were questions towards the beginning of the season with new head coach Matt Lafleur, you know he's going to bring in a Shanahan-style uh, offensive scheme to the Packers, and that passing volume is going to get diminished a little bit. And we did see some of that, but towards the end of the season, um, that was not a concern for Adams at all. Rogers targets him a ton. Um, we, and we have you know, Jimmy Graham, who just got released by the Packers. Jeronimo Allison's a free agent. Alan Lazard is a free agent. So I'm not sure what's going to happen there with some of the other weapons. If they do bring in um, one of the names that's been mentioned for the Packers would be Austin Hooper, uh, whether it's him or some other receiving help. To me, I don't see that as a negative for Adams. I see that as just, hey, the offense is going to get better. They're going to be on schedule more often. They're going to be able to push the ball downfield, which just means more touchdowns for Devontae Adams. You know, look at these scores from Week Ten on in PPR for for Adams. He finished with 18 points, 19 points, 24 points. He had an eight-point game in there and then uh, went right back up. 23, 22, 22 again. You know, that's what you're getting out of Devonta Adams. So I'm I'm a huge Adams truther. He might even be my wide receiver like two uh, for for the 2020 season. I'm absolutely all in on him, uh, especially when compared to Julio Jones. But Alex, what's your thought on my Adams takes? Yeah, he's an elite talent. I, I love the talent.
1: And I think he is a wide receiver one in fantasy football in 2020. He's a top eight, top ten guy for me. There's one game in 2019 that specifically stands out. I think they were playing the Philadelphia Eagles, and he just absolutely roasted them for like 20, <clears throat> 20 yards every time Aaron Rodgers threw him the ball. So <laughs> he's a guy we know can just absolutely eat on the outside, but – Something that you have to remember with Devontae Adams, he's only been over a 1,000 receiving yards one time in his six-year NFL career. One time. And his best seasons from a fantasy perspective uh, were from 2016 through 2018, and they were very touchdown-dependent. 12 touchdowns, 10 touchdowns, and 13 touchdowns. And, yeah, he's a big red zone threat, Um, But you see what Matt LaFleur is doing with this offense. They seemed very committed to the run, especially inside the five and 10 yard line in 2019. They didn't throw the ball a lot inside um, that tight of a space. And you could look at that on both sides of the coin and say, okay, maybe that's going to regress positively for Adams. And maybe they'll throw it a little bit more uh, close to the goal line in 2020. And that's where we know that Devontae Adams lives. Uh, But maybe that's just a Matt LaFleur thing. And he likes to pound the rock into the end zone. So that's something that, You just got to keep in mind with Adams, um, you know, and I think he's an elite receiver. But to me, I'm going with the guy who has gotten it done year in and year out. And you always know he's going to be a top receiver in the league. No questions asked a top fantasy option. And that is Julio Jones. He was second in the NFL in receiving yards last year in just 15 games. And there's some really interesting stats I was able to find on Julio and just what he's been able to do over the past six seasons. He is one of the hands-down best receivers of our generation. If you take his worst season in each stat category over the past six seasons, uh, it's 83 receptions is his low in receptions, (laughs) 1,394 yards is his lowest yardage output, and three touchdowns. If you take his lowest season in each category, he would have been wide receiver 12 this year. In fantasy football. Wow. And over the last last six years in PPR, he's been wide receiver three, wide receiver seven, wide receiver seven, wide receiver eight, wide receiver one, and wide receiver six. So, again, it's like Julio's done it six years in a row. That's pretty much guaranteeing a top eight wide receiver with the upside of a wide receiver one of the wide receiver one in fantasy football. The offense should remain constant in 2020. We know Matt Ryan's going to be the quarterback. Calvin Ridley's emerging on the other side of the ball, which I don't really think takes away from Julio. Uh, We saw Julio be really successful back in the day uh, when Roddy White was there. He kind of, Roddy White kind of passed the torch over to Julio Jones. And I think Ridley's breakout could actually help this Falcons offense as a whole. And, If we see six to eight touchdowns, touchdowns have been the big thing with Julio Jones, which is kind of the least sticky stat for a wide receiver. Um, That's been his biggest issue. And if we can see six to eight touchdowns from Julio this year, that's a lock for a top five performance if he stays healthy uh, at the wide receiver position. If he somehow gets 10 touchdowns in a season, that's when you're looking at Julio Jones and saying, like, he's a wide receiver one or wide receiver two. So for me, Julio is just so safe as a top eight, guy as long as he stays healthy and then you throw in the potential for for a big year in the touchdown category and like your upside is literally wide receiver one so I'm going with the guy who's done it before I hate taking away from Adams and his talent but there is no way even though he's a little bit older now um, I think he's into his 30s but Julio Jones is a lock as a wide receiver one this season as long as he stays healthy so give me that all day long
0: it's tough you know for me to to you know take julio over adams with just kind of the way that we've seen the falcons offense struggle at different times even in you know the year they made it to the super bowl like we would just see them stall out and then you look at age right adams is 27 right there in his prime julio is 31 you know aging out we're seeing him get kind of that ceiling where we see guys uh, start to to diminish a little bit and I just feel like the Falcons haven't figured out a way to fully use Julio in the red zone to this day. This has been like a five or six year process thing is, trying to get this man touchdown. If
1: they haven't figured it out and he's still wide receiver eight or better the last six seasons, that's only good <laughs> news because there's nowhere to go but up.
0: That's fair. That's fair. I mean, you look at six touchdowns. <laughs> You know, Adams had five in three less games, and and so these guys are honestly on just different ends of the coin. What do you value more? Do you value yards and and um, you know more you know ways that Julio could just take over a game? We've seen him put up you know games with over 200 receiving yards, or do you want Adams who could have you know three touchdowns on on a blow up day? um we are really just splitting hairs here but you know six touchdowns for julio i mean that's the same with the guys like brashad perriman had six touchdowns this year cole beasley had six touchdowns this year adams is putting up adams is putting up double digit touchdowns year in year out i absolutely love it and you're right maybe the volume does come down a little bit with Lafleur. I just think what we saw, we have a large enough sample size now with LaFleur to say, oh, those touchdowns aren't just gonna disappear. I I, I lock him in for eight to 12 touchdowns in 2020. Um, But yeah, this is one that it could go either way. And we put out a poll on Twitter Shout out to everybody who's following us on Twitter at Double Move Sports. We put out a poll um, with some dynasty and redraft questions about these two guys, and it was it was pretty even across the board. You had your Julio tru- truthers, you had your Adams troopers, you had everybody in the middle. So um, this is this is a fun one to debate. I would love to, to keep this one going. Maybe we'll have to bring this one up again closer to draft season.
1: So to close out, you know, we've recapped a lot of these debates uh, on a lot of top town. A lot of them are really tough arguments, but to close out, Steph and I are just going to give one quarterback sleeper for 2020 over the past two seasons. You know, two years ago, if you drafted Patrick Mahomes late, you probably won your fantasy championship or made a pretty deep run. This past year, it was Lamar Jackson. If you scooped him up in the mid to late rounds, you probably were making the playoffs. You probably were making a really deep run. Uh, so this year, you know, quarterback is always that position that's like if you can hit on your quarterback late in the draft and get the value at running back and receiver early that's what can really set you apart in your fantasy football league so steph and i are going to give one early quarterback sleeper for 2020 this is the guy that you should be able to draft in the double digit rounds that could make the difference in getting you to the playoffs or winning you a championship Steph, I'm going to let you start it off. Who is one quarterback sleeper who has got some insane upside for the 2020 season?
0: Yeah, when you can, can, you know, take some dart throws late in a draft and you might be potentially coming away with, you know, a top five quarterback, it's huge. Um, now these are also names though, if if they come out and put up stinkers to start the year, maybe first three or four weeks, we're just not seeing what, what we expected or the upside just isn't there. then by all means just drop them and they can be a streamer on waivers, maybe you grab them later. Um, but for me, it's it's Denver Broncos Drew Locke. You know, he only had five starts in 2019 and they went four and one in those games. John Elway's already come out and said, no question that Drew Locke is the guy in Denver right now. And his 64% completion rate was better than any of his completion rates in college. So to me, that says, look, this this guy is improving. He's understanding the game better, uh, especially at the pro level. He had one bad game where he had like eight fantasy points. And that was the snow game where there was an absolute blizzard, like four feet of snow. Like guys can't even see because their helmets are just full of snow uh, in, in Kansas City. That was on the road in Kansas City as well. So you add that in there too, it was just brutal. So I'm not gonna read into that game too much. And I have confidence that the Broncos offense will improve. Um, A lot of guys in the fantasy community, I think Alex and myself included, love Noah Fant as a tight end this year that we can grab a little bit later, who could have kind of that Mark Andrews blow up um, that we saw last season and, and even in 2018, right? It was George Kittle or 2017, sorry. It was George Kittle, You know, one that's just, he's a guy on the edge, he's showing some promise. He's a season away from being an absolute breakout. And uh, we know that tight ends typically take some time to get going. We don't see rookie tight ends really produce at crazy levels. So for me, Fant is what I'm definitely circling. So adding some more weapons there. We we all love um, Cortland Sutton. We think he's a, he's a beast. i um, trying to get hands on him everywhere we can, especially in Dynasty. Um, but if you're going to take you know a second tight end or a defense or a kicker in a draft, why not burn a spot and find out if you have the next breakout quarterback in Drew Locke who knows, man? There's there's so much upside in the unknown. That's really the one of the you know premier mottos that I've taken into fantasy that has helped me time and time again. There is upside in the unknown. Worst case scenario with Drew Lock, you drop him, uh, but best case scenario, man, maybe we're talking about him as a you know top five quarterback next season. I love him as a throw late. Uh, but Alex, who do you have as a QB sleeper in 2020?
1: Yeah, Steph, I love it, and honestly, a good draft strategy could be to uh snag maybe my guy in the 10th round and then drew lock in the 12th round and hold him for four weeks see what you got maybe you cut them if they suck Uh, if they show some flashes maybe you hang on to him as a streamer and go from there And, and the guy i'm gonna i'm gonna bring up is daniel jones uh you know daniel jones finished as the qb 24 in 2019 He was the QB 15, though, in terms of points per game as a rookie. And in just 12 games, he had 3,000 passing yards and 24 touchdowns. That 16-game pace is 4,000 yards and 32 passing touchdowns. If Daniel Jones goes out in his rookie year and throws 4,000 yards and 32 touchdowns, we're talking about him as, like, a top six, top seven quarterback next year. And right now, that's just not happening. Um, And another really interesting thing about Daniel Jones – He actually provided a really high rushing baseline, which I'm almost laughing a little bit because it was so shocking. He had 279 rushing yards (laughs) and two rushing touchdowns in 2019. That was more rushing yards per game than Russell Wilson or Dak Prescott, which is, like, unreal for me to think about. He did have the fumbling problem. He led the NFL in fumbles. He needs to clean that up. He needs to be, you know, less turnover-prone. Um, but you got to think if he is able to clean up some of those turnovers, the giants are just going to be that much better of an offense. Uh, They do have the new coach in Joe judge. And uh, a lot of those weapons are going to be healthy. Now you got Saquon Barkley back and healthy uh, the receiving cord, golden Tate, um, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton coming into year two, looking strong uh, and his rookie season should all be healthy. So, I mean, Evan Ingram at tight end, uh, Evan Ingram. Yeah. Is going to be healthy. So if they can keep that, that weapon group together, that could help Daniel Jones a ton. He was throwing to Rhett Ellison at times last season. That was brutal. Um, So, you know, Daniel Jones, he he showed a lot of flashes in his rookie season. He actually showed some weeks of extremely high upside. He finished as the QB2 on the week twice uh, in week three and week 10. And he finished as the QB1 on the week twice in week eight and then in championship week, week 16. So, four of his 12 starts he literally was a top two quarterback and if you just think if the wheels don't come off and and a lot of the other starts he was okay but if the wheels just don't totally come off in those other eight starts like if you're 25 percent of your weeks you're putting up a qb1 or qb2 performance that's all you can ask for uh if he can be consistent over the rest of the season so we've seen the upside he has the absolute ability to win you your week when he is hot and I just don't know why you wouldn't take a dart throw on Daniel Jones late. I, I mean, I imagine in, in in this year's drafts, if if you're taking Drew Locke and Daniel Jones late, I think one of the two for sure pans out or at least turns into a strong streamer. Um, maybe you can pair them with another guy and kind of go back and forth depending on matchup. But that late quarterback strategy is just so important to setting you apart in fantasy football. And these are two guys where there's still, I mean, we saw a lot more out of Daniel Jones last season than we did out of Drew Locke as far as a sample size. But there's still so much value in the unknown. New head coach, uh, only a second year in the NFL. Uh, there's just so much upside here. So, I love the Drew Lock pick. I'm really also excited about Daniel Jones, and you got to scoop him up yeah. in round ten or eleven. You got to.
0: Yeah, I love it. I, I do. I really do. I think like you know, you look at your quarterback position, right? Can you get a guy that's maybe a little bit more stalwart and proven and then pair it with one of these, you know, high upside young guys. So look at, you know, Matt Stafford or Matt Ryan or Ben Roethlisberger and then pair them with a deep shot that could pay off. I love that approach in this year's draft. Um, And man, you got me pretty excited about Daniel Jones. Now I remember uh, his kind of, you know, uh, coming of age game where uh, it's coming down to the wire at Tampa Bay on the road in the rain and it's, you know, clock running down and he takes his you know, five-step drop back, they're sending everybody deep, he sees an opening middle of the field and just takes off on his own. So you're talking about that rushing, uh, you know, and he, get, he gets the touchdown on that play. So you're talking about his rushing ability, that's something too that could be very sneaky for fantasy. If he has a nice rushing floor, which a lot of people don't talk about or really think of, they kind of see him as like a, kind of like Jameis Winston, right? Like just a gunslinger who's gonna take these 50-50 shots. Um, I could absolutely see Daniel Jones uh, being the next guy that we're talking about as a, a QB1. Uh, but Alex any other topics any other names that you want to bring up any other points that you want to make before we sign off here
1: that's all I got today man like we just went in on a lot of these guys it was a lot of fun Uh, if there's any other guys you want to see us break down guys you want to see Steph and I debate any questions you have drop them in the comments drop them on our Twitter drop them on our Instagram Twitter's double move Sport. Instagram is double move sports Uh, let us know and we'd love to break those down in the next episode
0: I saw, I saw while we were recording here. I put out a tweet before we started. We've already got some new debates coming up. We got Kelsey versus Kittle. We got Joe Mixon versus Nick Chubb. Those will be pretty fun to dive awesome. into. Really looking forward to doing more of these type of shows and, and, you know, really nailing down this format into something that's digestible and really fun to watch. Um, it really makes us have to dive deeper into the numbers and, you know, some of the outlook for all these players. Uh, before we go, guys, like Alex said, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram, on YouTube at Double Move Sports. There. You can also take the, the show with you in audio form on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. But thank you all so much for listening. Thank you all so much for watching. Really appreciate it. And we'll see you next time.